welcome to the show, Difficult Podcasters. Kelly, what's up? I'm Ronnie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, 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 good. I want to keep this quick. I want to keep this slightly embarrassing, but I do need to make mention. Um, this is not if you were listening to us audibly last week, but if you did see the YouTube um, of our episode, our previous episode, my hat was sweating. I was quite embarrassed. I started to think, you know, I talk all this mess about everybody. And yet when somebody watches our show, they could probably be like, look at him. He's so busted. He's so dusty. So I say that to say sometimes when you're recording a podcast, Kelly, as you know, there's going to be bells and whistles that really throw you off and last week was no exception we of course were doing all of the things and um you're rushing around and this that and the other uh, anyways my hat was sweaty i was embarrassed i looked horrible and so my thought process was this first of all two things critique to kelly for not saying hey dude <laughs> hey buddy longtime friend you maybe gotta you know take care of that and then the second thing, so that's that's a knock to you. Go, well, what you got? What you, what you well, got? Yeah, but no, I was gonna say, but uh, horrible is a bit strong. So, <laughs> so from where I'm sitting on where I was sitting, let no horrible was not no no. All right, I as think, long as I you still got a little, I think you're being a little too hard on yourself for that one. Okay, as long as you still got love for me, I just was a little embarrassed <laughs> Absolutely. because. Kelly, the thing why I got embarrassed is because on this pod, on this particular difficult people as a recap, we tend to really give it to people and give it to them good. We, of course, uh, I always say that this show is a delightfully brazen recap podcast. So the reality is we're never mean to anybody. We're more just like, what a ridiculous haircut or or why would you stand so close to me at the counter line at the Walgreens? You know, like, don't invade my personal space. So we're really not mean at all. We're just more we, we we're very very uh sn snarky is maybe the well, word it's more so use your manners i mean come on yeah don't like, be a, don't, don't be, don't be a, what a stupid what yeah. a stupid thing to say what a, don't even look at me you know and so i i just when i when all that had happened i says oh my gosh so here i'm giving it but then can i receive it you know what i'm saying like can i can i take the critique like if somebody's watching the show obviously if you're on audible listening to spotify apple or whatever you're not going to see it but if anyone saw it on our, our, our fabulous <laughs> youtube channel they probably, if they knew me, they'd be like, okay, that's, that's cool. It's Ronnie. But here's the thing. If they didn't know me, they'd be like, oh my gosh, with all of his opinions, he couldn't get his shit together. And that, <laughs> I was always like, so I got a little humble pie with that. So Kelly, I say this every well, time. I apologize for contributing to that, <laughs> that I, what didn't, uh, that I, I didn't notice it to the extreme <laughs> in which you did. So I apologize for that. <laughs> well, the one good thing, and I did say this, uh, I don't know if I said it to you, but I was saying it to somebody else. I'm like, luckily I co-host with the most, not only brilliant, not only most go-getter type of person, but a beautiful co-host, you know, be it, be it Kelly, Kelly O, that I don't think anyone really looks at me anyway. So I think Aww. we're going to be okay, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes gotta I mean, make I fun. have my bang issues. I got my you arm did. issues. You know, there's all kinds oh, of God. things going on. So we've got that <laughs> one episode looking at us both <laughs> being like, really, you guys, come on. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I almost feel like there should be a reality show about us trying to get to the point of doing the pod. You know, we are some people that have done, I've done radio a lot. She's done top tier PR work. We've done all these high pressure situations. And yet this stupid <laughs> podcast is what ruins <laughs> You know what I mean? I know. Uh, so but, I brought a lot of peaceful energy today. I brought um, good, some good. celery. So I'll be, I'm going to snack it on my celery. Very nice. Celery juice as well. And um, I wanted to say I'm excited because we got our um, 
second segment. Do you remember? Do you remember our previous segment? Yes, so- I do. That's a really fun thing. I'm, I'm glad that we're doing that because there are so many unnecessarily difficult things around the world mm-hmm. that we just don't need. And this is just like a fun little highlight of that. So uh, obviously brought to you by ViridianRoad.com, ViridianRoad.com. They uh, power our podcast here. And so we have a segment. So this one is, uh, of course, Grant's Rants is a dynamic podcaster. He's pop culture with all the piss and vinegar. Um, He says it like he means it. And he's uh, dashing around New York City. And he's going to give you a unnecessary difficulty in the best way possible. Let's check it out. I'm not accepting this. We're well into spring. And we're looking at Christmas displays at a sex shop. No. Grant, grants and your rants, correct. Why in the heck would there be Christmas decor in the uh, mid or mid-spring, dead of summer? Like, get it together. No excuses. What, it's a pandemic and you can't get your decor? Uh, uh, it's get a your pandemic window and they need the happiness. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and, and also, we'll dive into this one other time in life. Um, those those um Christmas during the summer people, you know those types. Oh, the Christmas Let's in go. July. Oh gosh. No, I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Kelly, I don't See, have the time. Christmas in July is a very big PR thing because in the oh. PR world, you have to start pitching Christmas in July to make those Christmas issues because of the yeah, the lead times. So Christmas in July has been a part of my life forever. Well, then that's okay, but it is the spring <laughs> and I like the way Grant ranted. So Grant's yes. rant, make sure you check him out. He's got a great YouTube channel and podcast and he's a podcast professional, has worked for all the big companies and his own independent thing. So we thought that was funny and more unnecessary difficulties brought to you by ViridianRoad.com coming up uh, very soon uh, throughout our episodes. Kelly, why don't you give us this glorious episode? We see um, some really great cameos, um, just all in all a motivating almost like a capsule episode of, of a lot of billion, Julie. I loved it, Kelly. I really did. I loved it too. And so we are already on episode six mm. and this is called um, Even Later. And <laughs> I relate so much to this episode because I too am the ultimate procrastinator, which yeah. is interesting considering all the hard deadlines and types of jobs that I've had, but I will still push it to the limit and and like drive yeah. the midnight oil just you know to get my shit done because for whatever reason I just can't do it like early I just I can't physically you, impossible do you know what the reason is I, I I think it might just be like a psychological thing of just like needing that drama of it to, to push myself to do the better I don't know yeah. I really don't or it's just pure laziness I I don't really know but I just because I'm not <laughs> I, I don't know. I've just always been the same. It's really funny. So watching them go through this episode and, and, you know, being set on doing something and doing everything, but that thing totally relate. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Really. That's like my everyday. I had one that happened recently and I did go right up to the, to the line, like right <laughs> up to the deadline. And looking back, it was a beautiful project. I love what I put together. It was a pitch and it yeah. looked really good and the people enjoyed it, but why could I not done that? I think it was due on Thursday. Monday, yeah. lollygag. Tuesday, lollygag. Wednesday, lollygag. I couldn't get it together. And then, <laughs> you know, you you finally get a breakthrough. So this episode really was good for people like you and I. <laughs> it re- yeah, it really was. Because it's it starts out that we find out that they have this meeting with a potential comedy ag- or a manager. Manager, yeah. So they're, so they're meeting with this guy and they're at this restaurant to have breakfast. And I like uh, Julie... Julie's comment where she's like, I love going to breakfast where people don't judge you on what you're oh, eating yeah. for not eating healthy in the morning. And uh, 
they're sitting there, to, you know, doing their little banter. And to them, they've already got a manager. So they're in speak, like they've already got a manager. They're good to go. And he's like, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's build a relationship. Like, you know, tell me more about you. What do you got? What do you do? That whole deal. Mm-hmm. So he gives them this opportunity to write for a new late night show that was basically kind of commenting and taking everything that all the other late night shows do and just creating something different. So they had the opportunity to write some bits and and do a pitch. Mm -hmm. They're super excited about it. So they are going to leave and go and do this pitch together. And so they're motivated. They're like, let's go write this. We're going to get this done. We have an opportunity to write in television. Let's go do this. And what's the first thing they do? Um, <laughs> they realize procrastinate. <laughs> they realize when they get to Julie's, it's not the right environment. So they need a different environment. I so- wonder. I wonder if it was the the <laughs> the task itself. What do you feel about a recap of late night TV? You know, there was a show that existed uh, later on about that same thing. I like yeah. the host. It was a girl named Heather. It was on Quibi. So I like the mm-hmm. host. It was through Entertainment Weekly. But I will say maybe if I were to defend Kel, um, Kelly, <laughs> if I were to defend <laughs> Julie and Billy and their roadblock, you know, they're so into the comedic scene that I, I'm sure they were excited and thrilled. But like, do they really want to write late night recappy stuff like that's kind of below their level? So they didn't mention it. They didn't complain about it. But I think maybe that's where they're um be but do they really want to write at all do they really want to be behind the scenes too oh do you think that because no i kind of feel like i procrastinate the most on things i really don't want to do like maybe i think i want to do it but then i really don't want to do it and so i feel like i'll even like take my procrastination to the next level when it's something that i know i can do and i know i can do well but i might not really want to do it so do and, you, think you know, it's, so, it's, so that could be, it could yeah. be that because even though Julie makes a funny comment where she, you know, he's asking, are y'all interested in writing jobs? And she's like, yeah, I've always hated pants with zippers. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Oh, what? No, they said uh, you can I, just I, be at home writing. I want, I want to get a job that my social skills is like the most important thing as to why I'm in said room. I thought that, but yeah, you make, you strike, <laughs> you strike a phenomenal point that we both go through you and I is like, mm-hmm. uh, or everybody who's pursuing something like, so the question is, do you want to be a writer, a comedy writer? Yes. The answer is yes. Right. But then they don't necessarily think about like what the work that they're doing makes sense. So that's kind of a thing too. I don't know where the, where the roadblocks were. Um, I did like that they got so excited and I like that they didn't get mad. You know, they didn't get difficult yeah. at all. They were so enthused. But if we can talk about for a second environment, uh, how much do you feel like environment plays into your creative energy? And then oh, I'll give you my opinion. hundred percent. I truly feel like I have to alter my environment for everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And even more so, one of my favorite things about being a publicist is being able to be creative because essentially it's marketing without money, right? Mm-hmm. So you are just telling someone you got to check out my client because I'm telling you to, not because I'm paying you to. So it's always having to take a spin on a story, get something interesting and take whatever they give you and turn it into something that somebody else is interested in. So having to sit there and put something like that together when you're essentially regurgitating the same thing over and over and over and over and over, I always found that I wrote the best stuff or like did the best stuff when my environment was a certain way. Mm. 
it, it always played a part. And I realized like that was definitely like the number one thing I'd have to make sure was set for whatever mood I was in. It couldn't, it wasn't always just, I need this particular environment every time. It was always different. Oh, it changed too. It changes. Okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm a crazy person because I'll be in certain situations where I'll feel like, no, like the decor has to be set up. The candles have to be lit. Not that I'm romancing anybody, but I have to like set a vibe. And I feel like I mentioned this recently to, who I can't recall who, but I was saying if it was just a matter of like waking up, going to nine to five, I think the last job I did before a broadcast was uh, maybe like banking was one of the jobs I did. Best mm -hmm. bank teller you're ever going to find. Uh, mer <laughs> merchant line. So you could know I was that good. My point Fair is enough. if I was doing that type of job now, I think I could like you know, my environment would just be coming to the office or coming home. After. That environment is now fine because you go do mm -hmm. the bank job or whatever the job is, the nine to five. It doesn't have no burden on what you're doing. However, if you're Billy and Julie and you're writing within the home, I think those things do make sense. And then I think like I've been we've all had to struggle within a pandemic to like work more remotely. And right. I, in my mind, I'm like, I'll be in a space and I'll be like, oh, oh. It doesn't have an accent wall. Daggone it. I need an accent wall if I'm going to do a podcast, you know? I, so I got it in that regard. But mm -hmm. uh, contrary to people who, you know, if you're working your nine to five and you're like, oh, that's that's kind of, they're just being procrastinators. I don't think that they were just being procrastinators. I think they needed to to uh, thrive in a certain way. I, I would have also went to all the locations they went to and it became a fun journey. <laughs> it was, it turned into, they had the good intention of going to certain places for quote unquote research. But then once they got there, it was like, you know, how could I sit through this? Like one of the places that they wanted to go was to the Paley Center and watch old late night shows, like episodes. To like yeah. the history of you know old, a lot of the old hosts and kind of you know get some ideas from that and they like are trying to sit through one episode and they're just bashing it saying it was so boring it was so stupid it was so this and that and so they decide to go and do something go get like a mani pedi or do something completely yeah. completely off the job thing but the whole journey. time they're conversating with people they're conversating with each other and they don't even realize that they are actually gathering things to yeah. talk about oh, yeah. just on yeah. their walk about yeah. the city because they run into certain people the first thing that they want to do is go buy a ping pong table because that's what the writer's room they want it to look like a real writer's room right yeah so they go to this sports store to go buy a ping pong table my, and my, my favorite like, my favorite part though Colin, before you get to that my favorite part of that uh, whole thing was like where do we get a uh where would we even get is that like a sporting goods store just like the detachment of like their world you know what i mean like i was mm -hmm. like yeah that's right that's you should question it where where do we go where do we get this yeah. stupid thing i don't want to i don't want to go to a place where there's uh you know uh sports paraphernalia and, and cleats oh my god baseball <laughs> cleats i don't want to go to like because that's the kind of thing i grew up next to so i'm just like Ugh. so i thought that was oh, a little yes, funny we that know they... ronnie's love of baseball <laughs> i don't like it i don't like it <laughs> I don't like it. I don't think you should force children to be into that dumb shit and then act like, oh, isn't it fun, Skippy? No, Skippy doesn't like it. Skippy would rather be, you know, broadcasting <laughs> as an eight-year-old. Stupid. <laughs> okay, a tangent. But I love that the only reason they want the ping pong tables because they like think that that's what goes in a writer's room or they saw it somewhere, not because they feel like it's like 
they've ever played ping pong. They will ever play ping. It's not. It doesn't have. I liked to do it with though. Them. I know. I liked it though. I'm gonna be the. I, <laughs> but it's I, the idea I, of what yeah. a real writers' room looks like, right? So you wanna, if you put yourself in the environment of a real writers' room, you then mentally become a real writer, right? So yeah. that, I think that's well, what okay. they're trying to build. Do you know of? A, is there been an extreme thing you've done in an office or in a home office that you've? that you've connected to where you're like, I have to have this and no one gets why, but in order to do your work, you know, your creative work, you've had to do it. Do you have anything like that? Uh, for <laughs> me, it was multiple computers. I had to have like mm. three. Okay. Like I always yeah. had to have three because I needed to be able to, I needed like a whole like NASA station. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You to need be a able to kind of like, stuff. yeah. Yeah. So I could look at deck so I could research. And so I can also have, um inspirational things so i'd have it all go because i'm a i'm a big multitasker oh that's tough oh i used to be one i'm like huge i'm shunning you i'm shunning you (laughs) i have to do but my brain like goes at such eight thousand miles a minute that i have to do so many different things at the same time (laughs) i'm like i'm like a vegan who's like oh you eat meat (laughs) i know i know but i go through all these things so I like visually, I need the simulation. So that was my thing. I always had multiple computers around and everybody's like, why do you need like six? Yeah. And I know, I know some people who don't need the creative connection at all. I had a roommate when uh, we lived in Ridgewood, Queens and which is on the corner of Bush corner of Bushwick. Um, We lived there and as roommates, we were great roommates, but we were so, we lived so differently, both insanely creative fields. And we both worked at the Mm -hmm. same job. uh, One of the jobs we crossed paths with, but my point is when I would get into my creative work from the home, it needed to be candles. It needed to be all of these things. This, this guy, great friend of mine to this day, he, I would go into his space and I'm like, I mean, there were a lot of computers too, but outside of that, the aura and the essence, I was like, you could work for 19 hours like this. Cause I surely cannot. I need my two Janet Jackson, 11 by 14 pictures, put patty <laughs> corner on the wall. Even in my current space. Now I got a Joan Rivers, 1980s Joan Rivers at that posted in the wall. Like I need certain things to connect. So um, that is why I was delightful with this episode. That's why I was more like, that's right. You guys, that's right, Billy. That's right. Julie, you do have to do what you have to get. And it led us to go get the uh, ping pong table. And it led us to see Amy Darius and oh. I thought her her dialogue was so great because she was like well you know this is this is uh I always tell my customers don't don't buy anything that you can't sleep on maybe he's not the greatest uh to make me the best sales girl on the floor but I have a good conscience and then as the conversation goes a line that I bring up all the time uh in my day-to-day life I'm always like what the fuck am I here for <laughs> oh she throws <laughs> Well, first, while she's sitting with her spiel, she like tosses it up and then doesn't catch it, which is even more hilarious. She's so funny. She yeah. missed it. And then she's like, well, what the fuck am I here for? And just like throws the I, ball. I, I went on a binge as this is the greatest thing about doing this podcast is like, like you, you get excited about difficult people and then you get into the world. And I've seen a, a, a number of the Amy Sedaris at home with Amy Sedaris episodes, but I felt like going back to them. And, and it's just kind of like you get into this world of Amy Sedaris can make almost anything work. Um, and she has a really cute antidote too about like choosing to go with Wheaties or choosing to go with this other thing because it turns out uh, 27,000% of uh, mercury is, is too much of a good thing. These lines are so good that you end up saying them in your day-to-day life. And that is one that I say all the time when, when something happens, I can't recall what, what it would be, but I'll be like, what the fuck am I here then for? <laughs> 
just because it caught me off guard when she did it you know what I mean like she was just like it was the the best because she was so nice and sweet no pressure right she doesn't pressure people into buying anything and they're like yeah I don't think we need it well then what the fuck Amy (laughs) Sedaris such a true talent and we see her in multiple episodes in different incarnations throughout the entire series but this Mm -hmm. was our first touch and taste of her and it set everything up like you said as their little journey this is the part where they go try to get the ping pong table doesn't really work ultimately and then the Paley Center and then you know um and they go to the yeah they go get the Manny Petty and then they go see a movie yeah and, for inspiration um, purposes oh and in the midst of this which was odd um or not odd but un- unexpected Kelly uh Kelly I'm calling Kelly <laughs> Julie Julie you guys have names that are too similar I know uh Julie tends to wonder about a pregnancy yes that's one thing I was gonna say yes so she it's funny because when they're at the apartment, I was going to you know, bring up Arthur too, that he's checking on her, you know, what are you guys up to? How are things going? Good for you. And one of the funny things that he does is he tells her, you know, text me if you don't want paella for dinner. And <laughs> she's like, well, consider yourself texted. And then he like whistles out the door and Billy's like, um, are you okay? Mm. And she's like, why? It's like, cause Arthur's whistling and you don't have anything to say about it. Like you seem to be fine with it. Yeah. And then she stops and thinks about it. And she's like, well, for the past few days, I have been in a good mood. I have, she's like, oh my God, and then I missed my period. Oh my God, what if I'm pregnant? And then she goes into this, the whole thing and they go to look for a pregnancy test. I don't know what, what I say on this regard. Cause I, I, you know, I'm a male. So we, I don't know that aspect of being like 35 ish and like, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about those things, but I can't imagine it being an easy thing, especially within their relationship Billy says, well, do you even want a kid? And her thing is like, no, but like, what if I do later? Um, So I think this is why, uh, and forgive me if if I'm wrong, correct me, Kelly. I think this is why this episode was very charming because we only see Julie as such a selfish person. And then this little bit of nugget, (laughs) in fact, the way she says it, she's like, oh, nothing's permanent, you know, except for, you know, being a mother. (laughs) Um, It just is, it allows um, a little more growth as like, you know, what what choices is she going to make? Does she care that much? does she not care that much I do like that there was some levity by saying oh my gosh I don't want my kid to be well adjusted I don't want him to be in sports you know oh my god what if he's not gay and then <laughs> and then Billy's name like no no you 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 any have, kid of yours is yeah, definitely as, gay. as gay as the sunlight absolutely so She's like what if he tries to high five me yeah yeah I, I will not yeah 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 you know, don't you talk about the baseball and the Dodgers and the cleats don't do it to me stupid little kid just because I like my dogs does not really mean I like my kid no uh and, and so that was that was a running thing and um yeah, I, I just don't know what I feel about it. I just think that sometimes men, we are so supportive of women, but we don't know what that is like to even think about those things. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any children and I, you know, I always kind of thought about it, but I never really, I never really like was a kid that grew up like wanting to have kids. Mm. My whole thing was, is I always wanted to adopt kids. Mm. That was always my thing. I never really like had the dream of like being, you know, having my own children, all of that. I always wanted to adopt kids that were, you know, that needed families. That was always my thing ever since I was younger. Well, now that I've gotten, you know, older, unfortunately, older, which is gross, but (laughs) (laughs) but I find myself in a similar situation like that, that, you know, when you stop and think about it, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. I, I don't know. Cause I've never really sat and yeah. thought about it. It was never kind of the goal. And for some people that is their goal. They want to have a family. They want to do those things. And I just, 
didn't. So I wonder if it gets more complex now because I think it does. I think it becomes more of a thing the older that you get because it's you there is a time limit sort of. Right, right. There's a lot more risks and a lot more things involved with it when you get older. So it is something to say. And, and I, I love that she didn't just dismiss it. I love that she actually stopped and thought about it too. I agree with you there. Cause you know, we always find her to be a little like, you know, self-involved and callous did not really like thinking about anything other than herself. Yeah. And this showed a little bit more of the humility that she has and thinking, I don't know if I'm going to feel the same way in yeah. five years. And what if I can't, what if this is my only chance? And I, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, the older that women get, at least amongst like my friends and stuff, like I've noticed that that is a statement that a lot of, that a lot of us will think about, like, what if it happens now and it's my only chance, I'm just going to have to yeah. do it. If I, if there's the slightest, slightest idea that you might want to, you got to go for it. Cause if you don't, what if you never get the chance again? It's on a tough thing. It's, it is a tough one. And on one hand, I feel like she could have been talking to Arthur about this stuff. But on the other hand, it's great that she has Billy. If you think about it, like, you know, mm-hmm. a, a gay guy doesn't have, you know, necessarily this, the, it's, it's obviously apples and oranges, but a gay guy doesn't yeah. have, you know, they're going through their own aspects of how they're going to conceive children if they're going right. to conceive children. So there is a very special thing about, you know, women who, you know, either didn't have children at a certain age or never have children at a certain age and their relationship with their gay friend. Like, I know that sounds extremely stereotypical, but I always think about like, you know, in life, we're assumed that we have to do all these things. But what's great about the arts is you go live your own life. You do your own creative field. You don't have to have the white picket fence. You don't have to have the dog and the, you know, the two point, whatever cars, whatever is the story, you run your own story. Um, And so I think I like that Billy goes, even though he wasn't being selfish and he definitely wasn't like overshadowing her, he did say like, oh man, then you end up being one of those people that has kids and then I never see you again. Like he wasn't mad, but I I kind of felt like if I'm a good friend with somebody, I would also say the same thing. I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. But like, I love that you're my, my I don't want to say yeah. hag. Then, then I got to find a new friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to use the word hag, but like, I love that you're my hag, yeah. you know what I mean? And But but see, this is where the empowering nature and we'll move, move on is the, you know, um, one of the, my favorite broadcasters is Bevy Smith and Bevy Smith is of a certain age, never had children. But yet when you look at her life, it's so gorgeously beautiful. And I think the problem that we all have is when we grow up, it's like, have the house, have the dog, have the white picket fence and have the kids. And I think what has been exhilarating to me is learning that you don't have to have all those things, including the cleats and the baseball and the glove (laughs) and all that stupid nonsense. Take it out of my face, damn it. I'm an eight-year-old talk to me like a grown-up uh you know you know, you know what I mean so we're, we're and what is great about this show and maybe I'm going on a tangent I'm sorry but I I feel like it's uplifting to know that there's different ways to do things and when you have your yeah, person there is. Yeah, yeah yeah there definitely is and I, and I love that and I think one of the things for me that has come into play recently that's very interesting and I never really thought about is legacy so oh like if you don't legacy legacy because it's it's a different way to think about it because yes society kind of has always played that you know in order to feel fulfilled you have to have like the family and that like everything mm. that you were just talking about but yes everyone nowadays is making their own version of what that yeah. feeling fulfilled and all of that is and something that new, was new and interesting to me that I had never thought about is you know my dad passed away when I was a baby so yeah. when I'm gone and I don't have kids like that's it like that's the end of us. So it's an interesting way to think mm. about it because there isn't anything left to go on. 
the concept of that too to to contrast it a little is that mm-hmm. what's to say what legacy is yeah if it looks like namesake or lineage mm-hmm. then yes then then you're what you said was absolutely right but if it's more about like what i contribute to the world that's really cool too you know what i mean you know if you could contribute- well yeah but it's also more of like parts of you that stay to keep it going so it doesn't necessarily oh, have to be a so blood kid. Of, yeah. Like it could also be like, you know, like I said, I always wanted to adopt kids, but it's like mm. the the teachings and the lessons in the life and, and the things that you did contribute to the world and having someone else get it to keep it going yeah, for but- for that reason. Like it's it just, I mean, it can go deeper and deeper and deeper. No, this episode so got it, me but... shook a little bit because this is this is what it is. We don't come to this show for anything like that. And obviously we're breaking it down in our own way, but it, these yeah. are things to think about. I remember in my journey in life, I remember being so sort of mortified. I'm like, oh, I mean, in theory, <laughs> you never know what happens on a Friday night, but in theory, <laughs> I won't ne- I won't never necessarily like conceive natural children. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, with a, with a woman, you know, and, and you start to like go so much in this anxious space where you're like, you're so proud of who you are and all these things, but you're like, oh, right. you know, what would that look like? Would I be a single, de- you know, would, would I be the, would I be like an Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper? Like you start to like wonder what is your journey? Like, is it going to be when I marry right. somebody? Um, is it going to be, I'm going to be a single father? Is it going to, you know, what is it going to be? And I think the one rule to kind of help out is like to, fuck off that anxiety because that anxiety is not healthy for you and I've come to the conclusion that I generally don't want them but I've had one journey in my life it was around 2014 15 maybe 16 that I was um I don't journal much but I journaled this particular time Mm -hmm. and I said I like where my life is going and I would like to have a open mind of like maybe I would be somebody that would adopt and that didn't have a it didn't have an inkling of like would it be with someone else would it be solo right and that was like that was in general it has since went away Kelly it has since (laughs) went away but you know it it, and and for me it comes and goes it's like I because we've talked about this before I am not a huge fan of children in general mm-hmm. <laughs> so i feel like i would need an older kid to kind of like mm. straighten out and mold into it you yeah. know whatever but yeah. it just it, it comes and goes but it's a very interesting thing in that you know when she stopped for a minute to think about it to me it's like all these different things that all the different ways she could be thinking about yeah. it yeah yeah and you know but all in all she does think arthur would make a great dad a weird one, but a great one. <laughs> and he would, and he would, but it, it was a great, and that's why the episode tie-in is good. It's like a little late on, mm-hmm. you know, the period and also a little late <laughs> on, on their tasks. Um, their tasks got exciting, but then there's this moment where she loses her computer. Uh, I yes, have not I done that, but on an, on a, it was pride weekend, by the way. And I don't know why I had my backpack with me, but I had my computer in my backpack. I think I was, it was one of those days where you're out in the daytime. I never lost yeah. my computer, but I got close one time, Kelly. I, Ooh. it was one of those times where you had bounced around the city and then you went out in the evening too. And you still had your backpack uh, from the daytime. Yeah. And I, all I could tell you is I could remember is I ended up on the uptown a at whatever morning light it was but I don't remember getting on the train, Kelly. And so where I tell you that I feel like I, it's easy to shun uh, Julie and say, why did you lose your computer? But there are times where you're dancing around that daggone city and you, I was drunk, of course, but you forget. And I remember, this is what I remember. I'm up, uh, up near Inwood area, you know, in the highest part of Manhattan for the most part. And the light is gushing at me, still drunk as a skunk, right? And all I could tell you is my, uh, my muscle memory my hands were the first sense that I caught. And the reason I caught that sense was because my hands were this tight and they were because I was holding onto my backpack. Uh, so as drunk as drunky McDrunkerson yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I 
was like holding on to the backtrack. Dear life. <laughs> because I, even in my drunkest moment, I knew that there was a computer in there and I didn't want to just like put it down and lose it, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I, somewhere I, she's talking about what she's going to write, you know, they're going through their day and that she lost that computer. And what's so funny is we find out that she loses at the first place that they went to. <laughs> so, how really dedicated to writing was she at the first place they go to? She drops it at the sports store. <laughs> And what if, <laughs> right, right. And what if their sex tape is in the cloud? Ah! <laughs> oh, I know. And Billy's like, do you have like nude photos of yourself? She's like, of course, of course I do. Like, that did make me laugh. I don't want to go on a tangent, but that made me laugh how like um, <laughs> the assessment would be like, oh, I don't want to have a poorly, uh, oh no, no. It was, I don't want to have a poor email of something that I said go public. But a bad uh, naked nude picture would not bug me as whatever, much yeah, as the whatever. shit that I say on emails for other people to watch. I was like, oh my God, you guys are nuts. I love these two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, it was, it, it was a, a bit of a journey. And, um, uh, you know, so, so what do they do? They go back to the store, uh, the mm -hmm. sporting goods store, and they try to find Rita, but Rita's not there. And um, yeah, it, it ensues more of a wild goose chase, which like you said earlier too, it created the living part, you know, sometimes to be a great yeah. writer or anything in the arts is you have to like live too. Um, right. And they get another story. They so they another get story. another story from the other like store attendant that they, that, um, that they meet that calls Rita at home. And, you know, he shares a little NASA story mm -hmm. because Billy tries to say that she's a really important executive for NASA and she has to find that yeah. computer. She's got sensitive classified, whatever he had mm -hmm. studied that she had on it. So he goes into a tangent about his like falling in love with a girl, losing a girl, like, you know, space camp and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So they get yet another story of regret because yeah. the, the constant in the stories that they're getting is, a, is regret. People are saying that they should have chosen a, they chose B instead. They didn't say no, they just, they made the wrong choice. And now they're trying, you know, now they are filled with regret about those things. So they, he gets a hold of, uh, Rita and she does have the computer and mm -hmm. she is agreed to meet them that yeah. evening at her singing lesson <laughs> and um because why so not of got, course she's a singer of course, of course she is of course. Yeah, yeah but I love how he's Billy's like I did not think Rita could carry a tune yeah and he's like you watch your you watch your mouth you know it's just it's so much and I and, and I like it but then they get to the restaurant which gives them about a three-hour gap from when they know they're going to mm -hmm. go to Astor Place and meet uh Rita for, to, to retrieve the computer and they meet they get another um uh a moment of what did you just say like doubt or regret um, yeah they get another yes they get another story of remorse regret whatever so there is a woman sitting in the booth behind them and they're talking and she's going to go to the restroom so she turns around and like ask them you know do you mind if you know, if my date comes, can you let him know? I'll be right back. Yeah. And um, Julie's like looking at her and, you know, from our point of view, we see, you know, she's got some unique eyebrows going mm. on. So yeah. she tells, you know, she confronts Julie and she's like, you're looking at my eyebrows, aren't you? You're staring at my <laughs> eyebrows, aren't you? Aren't you? So and good then she too. goes into the story about, she went to go get, you know, she went to go get her hair done, go get, you know, done up for this date. And the person convinced her to get her eyebrows done. And first they darkened them, but they were black. They lightened mm. them and then they were blonde. And then all of a sudden they fell out. 
<laughs> she was insecure the, the, as mm -hmm. Anna Gestar is the actress SNL great like oh, she really gave it amazing but also like yeah it's this added up moment I think Billy says to it after he's like you never know lonely until you're lonely in New York City but yeah. you know there is lessons to be taken all of the time and I mean mm -hmm. I think the lesson of no is valuable um you know there's and like being a able to say no and not feeling like you can't that say was, say like no because you have the the nerve and the audacity and the gall mm -hmm. that something else better will come or also saying no here's another one that because what is yes for somebody else isn't isn't a yes for you i right. i can recall a couple things where i was like it felt like i should have said yes and i did say yes uh for like a creative project and then it turned into being terrible because i know what i like I think when you're mm -hmm. young, when you're in your twenties, you want to ask everybody everything. But as you get older, you're like, I'm not going to say nothing until I'm good and ready because I don't want other people's opinions. Um, right. The power of no, and and I guess that's uh, they didn't have it mm -hmm. yet, but they were starting to get it. <laughs> they were starting to really kind of note that theme in all the stories they were hearing for the day. So mm -hmm. they were paying attention. Yeah. So although they were procrastinating hard all day, they were actually taking in everything that happened throughout the day mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the most unique things about being in entertainment and being a writer or being a performer or you know anything the things that we do here is because you have to be observant of your surroundings that's where inspiration comes from yeah. so this is not you know just having a writer's room per se isn't necessarily the best environment if we're talking about what's the best environment for writing. Hmm. So it wasn't necessarily a room for them to sit in, in the middle of the day and just stay there all day. It was, they needed to kind of go out and live to be able to, you know, kind of like punch it to be able to get that package out. They, they, they get through it all, which is exciting. They see Debbie Harry. Mm -hmm. Um, they, 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 you know, uh, Rita, well, we find the... out Rita was in the ER. Like why is Rita in the ER? But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> you know, Rita's being Rita Rita will be Rita. And just like Billy's look is like, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, and then Debbie computer? Harry's like, you want to do Coke? <laughs> want to do Coke. I mean, this is, this is, on a day that you set out of your apartment, what is going to happen? And you know, you came to visit me, so we've had we've had some moments. Where we've we had up, days like that. We've even ended up in, um, gosh knows where. Um, <laughs> I think you had family. We ended up near with them, and I mean, we've been all we've been we've had some moments. <laughs> we have had some moments. We LA moments some... too. We've had some LA moments too, because of yeah. course we've collectively lived in LA together. You know, whereas right. New York, you you hadn't lived, but. Oh my gosh. Um, it just, it just speaks to all of that and the willingness to, to try everything. And, but it's great though. And I, um, I loved that they, um, wrote and I loved the way we see in the scene that it does come to the sunlight because, um, yes. that's reminiscent of, you know, works that I've done that I've kind of messed up and procrastinated on or whatever, but then I like get it done right at maybe like 6am, let's say, but then I, in the email, I do the scheduled email. So it doesn't come out till 10 AM, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that way they don't think I'm a, you know, crazy person. Uh, <laughs> that was a, a, a light, <laughs> you know, not just metaphorically, because there's just so many times I've done that as well, you know, and then, and then yeah. I sleep all day. They sleep all day. <laughs> Which well, they make it back to, they make it back to the house after all of that craziness and getting the computer back and they actually decide, okay, it's late. We got to get this done. And they finally like knock out their presentation. Yeah. But I love we see Arthur again and he's like, text me if you don't want duck for dinner. Consider yourself, yourself texted. Because she likes a children's menu. And that's it. <laughs> she likes the children's menu. I yeah. want some paella. Arthur can come good for me. <laughs> Arthur should maybe date uh, Kelly long term. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny is when the music started too. 
um, in the little montage, Suzanne Summers. <laughs> but right before that started, they go, and this is in reference to VeridianRoad.com does a shirt that talks about like we could blame the world for our faults or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think, was it Billy telling Julie or Julie it telling was Billy? Bill, yeah, it was saying, we have to do this because if we don't do this, then we can't blame everyone else's fault yeah. for like our not getting the, the, the Billy job was or something. Saying it, I think. And yeah. then that little thing lit them up to get going. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, because then it's See, only going to be likeable. their fault if they don't do it. There's no yes. one else to blame if they don't do it. See, they're so they likable after done. all. This is what I keep trying to tell everybody. <laughs> oh, hey, Ronnie, I've been watching that show you're talking about, and they're just so unlikable. Bullshit, you're unlikable. Don't tell me nothing. <laughs> Julie is a good, good gal. And Billy- Pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> but they get it done. They hit send on that email. You hear those shh, you hear the email go out. Yeah. It's all good to go. And then they start doing a little digging on Richard. So they're looking up their uh, comedy, potential comedy manager, and they find out some very interesting things about Richard, because mm -hmm. he's Richard is Australian. We knew mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And um, Billy's like, I think I figured out where his, you know, artistic kind of inspiration, you know, where his little artistic background comes from. And we find out something real fun about <laughs> Richard, something I didn't know even existed. We know we know that Julie will hit, hit a kangaroo, and we also know that you know this manager uh, was was Mr. Puppetry of the penis. It was he he didn't say no to his mates and this one deek trick, and then he did a deek trick, and they all did deek tricks, and pow! Um, did you ever see that show? Did you ever see that show, Kelly? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not, I don't know why I assumed in my mind, you guys, I'm terrible. In my mind, I assumed Kelly was going to say, I've seen it. I loved it. I could report about it. And you just said no. And I just didn't know where to go. It was like, Kelly, I'm disappointed. Sorry. I mean, maybe puppetry of the penis sounds like something I would have seen. But no, no, I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Moving right along. Um, but then they go, they, they, yeah, go ahead. they go to their meeting, you know, they go to their meeting and they pitch their deck and um, well, they get a call from Richard after they're looking him up and Richard's like, okay, the guy wants, they want to meet with you. They loved your stuff. Yeah. So they go to this meeting and then they find out that he doesn't even look at their stuff. He just needs uh, some diversity. He needs a woman writer. Yeah. Oh, that like <laughs> broke my heart too with the like doing the work mm -hmm. and then somebody being so dismissive of it, you know. So disrespectful, um, like yeah, not I, even I, not even looking I, at I, it. I calculate in a lot of like the production or radio jobs I've done, there have been things that mm -hmm. I had done against my better judgment. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do it. And then when the person doesn't like give it no energy, you're just like, uh, why did I what a do waste. this? Yeah. And that's probably why you didn't want to do it in the first place. I didn't see the follow through. Yeah. Cause you could always know you always see the follow through. Anyways, this guy's mm -hmm. funny, but he's also, he's also like, like, just, like faux punk rock. He's like punk rock by target, you know, that kind of thing. And, <laughs> and I love that, you know, even when we get to the meeting, they're enthused, they are generally enthused, but as it yeah. goes on, everything he says, you know, um, becomes like, just like, I, this is a statement I say. So in radio, there's a thing called program directors. And this is going to sound really like I'm talking shit. But sometimes I say, how can I learn from a program director that's less talented than me? 
And so what I'm saying is in the scheme of him as the position, he was more powerful, but in the scheme of their artistic creativity, they were more powerful than him. Right. But then you have to like sort of submit yourself to that. And it's not saying you're being a hard worker, but what does that look like in that situation? I've had a situation where in my mind, at least, and in everybody's mind, I was the king, you know? Uh, okay. In my story, that's the way I'm going to tell it, Kelly. But like the person I had to report to was such a cornball. What, what do you do yeah. with that? What do yeah. you do with that? I mean, I understand being cordial and playing your position, but um, what do you think that uh, allowed them um, to make that decision? Do you think they just vibed it out or? I think they did. I think the more that they were listening to kind of the the things that were this, the person was saying and and how not, I, it's going to come out wrong the way I think, because I don't necessarily mean like not a real job, but it, it almost wasn't a real job. It was just like, if you want this and you don't suck and you're kind of cool, you can have it. But I don't really know yeah. anything about you. I don't know what you can do. I just need a woman. You yeah. know, so it really wasn't like a real thing. It didn't play on their strengths. And they sit there and then they start having the banter back and forth, which he's totally into. Mm. And he's, you know, they're saying, you know, this so-and-so said no, that they had regret. So-and-so said they wish they had done something else. Well, maybe this is our time. Maybe we should listen to them and we should say no. Yeah. Can you imagine working for this guy? It's like, no. And it's like, you know what? No. <laughs> the one thing I know, and he was like, is this a bit? The one thing I thought was cool is that if you were to watch just this episode alone, you wouldn't know that they wanted it this bad. So you would think that they're saying mm -hmm. no didn't really matter. But they did say no in a very, like, it was the one thing they wanted more than anything. So it took a lot yeah. of nerve. It took a lot of gall to do that. Um, this right. is why I say this was the Billy and Julie's episode that made them likable because this was not a thing they kind of cared about. This was literally the only thing they cared right. about. And they had the wisdom. And I like that their potential manager um, knew that, yeah, that guy's kind of a hack anyway. You know, he, he's trying to avoid a Jezebel write-up or something like that. Like the manager didn't get mad. And that is the lesson that I think, I guess we should all have is if the person you're meant to work with can handle your shit, even if it's not really shit, but like other people could think it's shit. If the person yeah. can see it as shit, that's not your person to work with and collaborate right. with. If the person could be like, oh, you made that choice because of X, Y, Z. Ah, okay, I see I you. I get it. Yeah. I get it more. And that's a learned um, thing. And I think Julie and Billy are around 34, 35, done this yeah. for so many years. So they're in the right, right space. Um, but it's also good because, especially when you're building a relationship with a manager, agent, publicist, anything like that, it's a good kind of getting to know you. And that's what Richard said he wanted to do. He wanted to build a relationship. So looking at what they turned down, if he's a smart manager, which he seemed to prove himself to be, mm -hmm. is that he's not going to take it as, oh, I'm losing money because, you know, 10% of nothing is, you know, 10% <laughs> of something is better than 10% of nothing. But he looks at it like, okay, I see you. I get yeah. it. Cool. This guy was shit anyway, but now it's going to make him do his job better too. Cause now he's going to be able to sift through things and give them better opportunities. If yeah. he takes it in that way. I think you have to take your uh, ego out of it. And that's what it takes yeah. as a good manager. It's not going to, it's not going to take away every opportunity if you say no. And if it does, that's not the right opportunity for you at all. Especially so you kind of have to go yeah. with your gut. Yeah. And, I mean, there's times I didn't, and I feel like I should have. Well, because time, time, time is money. That's the, the ultimate thing. Obviously you need money, but time is money. So you don't want to take yourself off of, it's like playing uh, the slot machines. You don't want to take yourself away from the slots. If I've been, if I've been hitting the slots, I need to make, 
I don't gamble, Kelly. So I don't know if that was even a good example. <laughs> Maybe I could shut up. You take it from here, Kelly. I'm done talking. No, but I, I, I get what you're trying to say. It's like when you're on, when you're on something good, you don't want to put it to the side for something that you're not sure about. Yeah. And then you don't want to risk losing and walking away from your machine too early when you've already warmed it up. And then the next person comes and hits the jackpot. I haven't been to Las Vegas since I worked radio in Las Vegas like 100 years ago. Why would I use slots as an example? What is really wrong with me? I need, I need. Well, help. you know okay. what it reminds me of? It reminds me of my very first Vegas trip. My very first Vegas trip ever was for the Art Radio Music Awards. That oh, we all radio. Were. Oh, oh, then then you didn't sleep at all, basically. But no, when I was like hopped up on something for like days, it was like, so who was sponsoring? It was like some diet pill. We were like taking it to stay awake. Oh my, I'm telling there is, we are not even in the midst of getting this show started. It's still new, but there is a level of subtopics that we're going to have to do for a Patreon at some point because listen kelly has stories honey she has stories <laughs> <laughs> well that's a little tidbit of one of them we can go into more detail about that later yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i always worry to pod with you because i know a lot and i don't want to say it all i don't want to say it all <laughs> i'm like oh don't ask that question because she's going to be incriminated <laughs> we had yes, fun in our um, 20s we had fun in our 20s we looked we just did. as sexy as we do now then it's just what it is and you know, kiss my ass if you don't like it. I'm kidding. That's it was a great, it was a great episode. Is that, did we cover it all? Uh, I, I do, mean, pretty much. They, I, you I know, love that we got, I love that we got the Huffington Post uh, print edition. That yes. was, ex- of course, yes. fun. And, and they're in it. And they're in it um, with, with their respective uh, opinions. And mm-hmm. I also, I think what's interesting was the, um, uh, early on too, he finds an aisle uh, dedicated to lube. And I think you have to go to locations that have a lube dedicated aisle. That to me starts off the entire process of a great episode. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to randomly throw a tangent out there. Back to oh, you, sweet, sweet young I lady. Mean, I love it. And then they get their <clears throat> little penis puppeteer show at the um, end. Yeah. Right in yeah. the middle of the bar. <laughs> yeah. So what a great way to end it. Yeah, it gave us a lot because I think one thing we see in uh, season two and three, we end up seeing just all these other stories about like New York life and and, and human relationships and family banter. But in the early first five episodes, six episodes, you really do get like this this creative journey, like as if what are Mm -hmm. the steps that these two take to follow their dreams? And this was the one that if you've been following along, you're like, yay, they finally get this manager and yay, they finally get this opportunity. And they had the balls to say, no, we're not going to touch it because it doesn't fit our, uh, our, our, yeah. our, our vibe. And then you, you could only root for that, you know? Absolutely. It's a very brave and bold thing to do. It really is. Cause you never know like what can happen and to be able to have the guts to kind of do that is. And, and at, the, at this moment, we don't need to know if Arthur's going to be a good father because that situation <laughs> does not come to fruition. I know. And I therefore, know. Billy doesn't need to get another, uh, you know, good girlfriend, you know, because, you know, his girl is going to still be, uh, you know, childless and they could run him up. <laughs> so it's a it was a win, win, win. Probably the one of the most warm episodes of the uh, entire first season. It was. It yeah. really was. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that wraps it up. Uh, any other comments that you want to make just creatively in your own journeys, uh, Kelly, that's relatable to what we saw? No, I think one of the best things that that you can take from it is, you know, definitely don't be afraid to say no. 
you know, like I was saying earlier, like, I wish I would have said no to some things that, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, there was an opportunity where I actually did say no twice and then they changed my mind and I should have stuck with the no, (laughs) but, but, you know, don't be afraid to use your voice. And I think that that's something that, you know, when you're coming up in a career, you know, sometimes you get a little bit afraid because, you know, I mean, things are definitely different now than they were then. I mean, when we were kind of coming up before the whole me too thing and like all that people were definitely a lot more mean, I think. Yeah. And it was, you know, a lot harsher and there was a lot, a lot more that they got away with then that they don't get away with now, which I think is a really good thing. I I was thinking about the TV show entourage. Can you even do an entourage TV show anymore? That was the fact that entourage was on the air saying, this is how it really is, even though it could have been glorified or not glorified enough. The point is an entourage show was so powerful because it was like, look, this is the mirror of, of that life. Now people would go crazy over a show like that. Oh, so absolutely. I mean, when are, I watch reruns, I'm like, I get like PTSD from like shit I went through. Like it's so, it's so on yeah, point yeah. that it's, well, the, you know, it's really interesting. Well, then you speak to a good point is that whatever your judgment is, it has to evolve to where you're at at this time. Right. You know, one, in particular, there should be times where you are uh, listening a lot. And then there should mm-hmm. be times where you're not listening. But I think above all, the number one thing I took from this is have your, uh, not necessarily an inner circle, but your couple of friends that you want to bounce the ideas off of. Yeah. Do not waste any time sending it to people who don't know, don't care, don't know your journey, or don't even know the craft at hand. Just keep it within the, the main people because mm-hmm. they're going to be the smartest ones to be like, oh, that might be a no or that might be a yes. If you take an opportunity that looks like an opportunity to somebody who doesn't know otherwise, they're just going to say, well, it's money. You want to be a comedy writer. Shouldn't the answer be yes? So you need to make right. sure that you you have that. Um, and so that's what yeah. I liked about it. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I did not sweat on today's episode. I did not talk (laughs) shit about anybody. I, of course, said I don't like the cleats and the, um, (laughs) you know, the, the, what is the bat, the Louisville slugger. You know, I think I got that for my 12 year old birthday. And I thought like, I mean, you could have got me a microphone or tickets to a Janet Jackson concert. Like, let's get with the program. That's a tangent. We'll get to that later. Uh, my name has been um, <laughs> randomlyronniejr.com. And um, as a note, there is another series on the YouTube uh, playlist called Another Random Recap. So it's very much in the vein of TV recaps, um, more so some of the MTV shows, not what me and Kelly do, but uh, it's also tons of fun as a, uh, as a, if you like this, you're going to love that type of deal, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. And what about you? Awesome. Well, you can find me at Kelly with an IE079 on all of the social media channels. So, you know, come follow me. I'm going to start posting some really funny stories of things that I found when I just, when I thought I wanted to be a film writer. So I'm going to think I'm going to start sharing that. (laughs) Wow. She's an influencer. You can can start seeing some of the stories that I thought I wanted to be a writer. And then maybe you'll realize why I never became one. Uh, (laughs) It's not too late. It's not too late. You could do it whenever you want. No, it's not. So that's going to be kind of fun. I love that she's an influencer. (laughs) You write the script and I'll try to act in it. And then we'll put that that somewhere. Not on this show. We don't want to waste the eyeballs and the ear eardrums of people who enjoy this. It's somewhere else. Okay somewhere else thank That'll you for like watching after 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 show after 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 show you got paid for that um grant <laughs> make sure you check out grant's rants because he was the one who did our uh, unnecessary difficulties uh segment and of course difficultpodcasters.com for all of the episodes that's it i hear noise in the background and it's pissing me off kelly so i gotta <laughs> say goodbye <laughs>